Welcome back to Down the Slope. You have had a week off from us, but we're back. We've missed you. I hope that you've missed us too. However, speaking of people missing, we've got two off today. Um, a certain Mr. You and a certain Mr. Greg were away in Budapest on a stag food. We are probably not feeling too well today, but I've got the magnificent Liam. Liam, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, mate. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, mate. I'm not too bad. I'm excited to talk about Hibs. Obviously, very good result at the weekend. So, should we just get fired straight into things? All right, let's go for it. Yeah, so super. Obviously, you were at the game. Everybody else was outside the country. So, when you got to the ground and you seen the team sheet, what what was the initial impressions? Um, I was quite chuffed with the team, to be honest. Uh, it was quite. Uh, I thought the midfield three kind of deserved to deserve to kind of keep their place. Um, it was good to see the new boy get a start. Always excited to see uh, guys who've come in from obscurity make their debut, uh, and also good to see a sort of settle back five uh, with. with a team that you know did okay against Kilmarnock. Um so yeah, I happy with it. Yeah, um my, my vibes were relatively similar and then it kicked off and within five minutes all those hopes and dreams were dashed. Um Aberdeen got off to a very quick start, um good ball over the top, Marshall dealt with it well, and then personally thought it was quite a good goal. Um not not really a well worked set piece routine, but they passed it quite nicely around the box. It kind of got drilled in about shoulder height and then that um Duke by managed to flip it over Marshall. What do you think of the goal? Uh, the goal was an accident. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't intentional. Um, they get they get very little credit for it. To be honest, other than managing to create the space to get a ball into the box, but uh, it was it was basically a fluke. Harsh words from Liam, but we love to see it. Was there anybody surprised with what you think could have done better there? Mm, no, nah, not really, because there's pressure on the ball. I mean, the, the obvious thing is obviously to stop the cross, you could, but that crosses are going to get find a way in the box from time to time. Um, I, th- I thought Port just reacted well. I think he's kind of put them under a wee bit of pressure. I think it's Portis anyway. Um, nah, nothing, not, not, nothing really for us to, to do differently, because as I say, it was a fluke. Um, and love, love a segue, and I think... Speaking of reacting well, I think that this isn't the first time this season Hibs have reacted relatively well to conceding a goal. Um, I think that we kind of took the game by the scruff of the neck, obviously very early doors where we conceded, but I think we kind of went on to just dominate the game from there, to be honest. Aberdeen didn't really look up to much. They seemed quite content to score their one goal, try and sit in it for 87 minutes, which is never really a solid tactic. In the first like half an hour of the game or so, were you happy with how Hibs responded? Um, I, I thought look, I thought we were the better team throughout. I, I thought we were the better team for the first, the entire first four minutes before Aberdeen scored as well. To be honest, um, I, I'd probably say the first half we were the better team without really like putting it on them. Um, but we did, we did create a few, a few openings, quite a few half chances, an odd, odd chance. Um, there was a nice tempo to to our, to our play as well at stages. We were we were doing that thing where we were looking to get forward quickly. It was a couple of. Um, Passes which were frustratingly kind of intercepted, um, that were kind of met with, with a few groans from people around me. But I thought, I thought generally we were uh, we were pretty good for for really the entirety of the first half. To be honest. Yeah. Um, were there any standouts? Just asking a couple of extra questions. Just aware of the fact there's not too much content to dive into. <laughs> um, I thought Paul Hanlon was very good again, uh, quite quietly. Um, Paul Hanlon had a, had a good first half. I thought um, there were some very promising touches from Kuharevich, is how I'm going to pronounce it. I don't know if that's right or not, but I thought some of his, his, his touches were excellent. Um, he, he looked as though he was someone who had the ability and the strength to be able to bring others into play and hold defenders off, and he did that well. He looked to get a boil on it quite a lot as well. Um, and then at, at points, to quite good effect as well. So now nah, there was plenty, plenty of standouts, I think. And in, in terms of carving out opportunities, we didn't really carve out too many clear-cut ones. Yuan had quite a nice shot from range, and I think the keeper done all right to save it. It was kind of an expected save, but I could save nonetheless. Um, and then it came to Liam Skills, got himself booked, absolutely a booking, um, about two seconds late on Campbell and nearly snapped him in two, so I think the ref was well within his rights to book him. And then came the incident of the game, which I was watching on Aberdeen TV, well, Red TV, and um 
what's his name from that absolutely embarrassed himself because he would not stop going on about the penalty that was then given. Liam, talk us through it from your perspective in the stand now if you've had a chance to look back since. Um, I have I've seen it. I have seen the clip back. Um, it's a it's a pe- it's a penalty. I mean, he's 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 poor just initiates the contact, but Scales then continues to hold on to him and effectively just drags him to the ground. Um, I think it's ludicrous to suggest otherwise, and I think if it wasn't Ryan Porteous that was fouled, I don't think there'd be quite so much noise uh, about it. Um, so, I, I, you know, I thought Jim, we'll, we'll talk about Jim Goodwin later, let's just talk about the, the, the incident in isolation. It, it's, it's a penalty for me, um, just just on, just on the basis of the, the, the contact and, and, and where it is. Uh, it's frustrating because you see it happen quite a lot and it's not given, so I can understand some fans' frustration, but I think to call it... Um, Heard it referred to as cheating and conning um, in the last few days. I think is is very uh, very very wide of the mark. The one thing we missed out, which was quite an important thing, we missed out was we should have had a penalty earlier on in the first half as well. Ross McCrory with a blatant handball, Lionel's looking straight at. We were off him because we could see it from right from the top of the east. It was clear as day. Um, hand was up in the air above above his shoulders, and the, the Lionel should see it. And the, you'd probably in a case say the referee should see it because it was that blatant. So we probably should have gone in with with with, with two penalties at half time, but we didn't. Yeah, um, apologies, I completely left on the McCrory one. It was one of those ones that was that daft. I almost forgot about it. It reminds me of the one I can't remember what Jambo. I think it was away to Aberdeen. Um, the ball was going out. He essentially just jumped and smacked it before it went out of play and gave away a penalty. Do you know what I mean? Nah, I can't think of it. To be honest. Oh, it was really daft. It was one of it was when they were like proper bad. It was like relegation fighting heart stuff. Um, but yeah, no, obviously stonewall penalty on McCrory. The one like I would probably be slightly peeved if the one was given against us. I think it was quite stupid from Scales because the thing is like Porteous runs across him and then Scales makes contact and Ryan Porteous takes advantage of that and leans into him before making his run further, which is entirely entitled to do because Scales had made the contact. Um, but for me, I don't think that he gets booked for um, the foul. I think he then gets booked for the descent because the referee literally pointed away, like, go away three times, and that's when he pulled the card out and sent him off. Because mm. um, for me, if he's getting booked for that, that's a horrendous booking. But if he's booking him for descent, understandable, because he said, piss off, and then he wouldn't. So, um, yeah. And then I was going to say the time of the game completely switched from there, but it didn't. Uh, we, went, we went into halftime... Aberdeen made a very defensive substitution after Boyle tucked away the penalty. Um, and I was very confident of the win. Um, I know that 10 men is something that we've been coming up against a lot so far this season. Um, but yeah, how were, you, how were the vibes in the stadium heading into the second half? Um, I, I prob- probably one of the expectation I talked about after the Kilmarnock game. I think when opposition goes down to 10 men, people become expectant and maybe become a wee bit impatient as well. They really want to. Get, you know they want the team to get on the front foot and start making things happen, and we did. But it was maybe just a wee bit. Um, took us a wee bit longer to get there. And perhaps people would like early on in the second half. Yeah, um, that's fair. But I think we did come out with a good intensity. I think that we proper got the ball down and stretched Aberdeen when we were playing. Um, yeah, I was. I, I just thought that overall it was a really good performance. It's one of those frustrating ones again that I think we've had a good half of football, but because we've not been clinical, fans haven't been happy with the performance. Because I thought the first half, I thought we were really, really good. I think we went into halftime having like nine shots, which compared to the rest of the season so far, is really impressive for him. So I, I was pretty chuffed with that. Any, any other reflections on the first half before we move on? To be fair, we had twenty-five shots on goal against Kelly as well. So like we've not been shot shy. We like I, I, I have no. I have no complaints this season so far with the number of chances we're creating. That's the issue for me is whether we're putting the ball in the net often enough. Um, I think we are creating chances. I look at every one of our games. Maybe we've not played simply in football for ninety minutes of all of those games, but we've even the game against Livingston that we lost, like created chances. Um, there was chances in the St. Byron game as well, which well one in particular that stands out that Yuan had. Um, so I, I've I've no real complaints for our creativity. It's just that that cutting edge in front of goal, you know, you look at it and Yuan's still not scored and he's played every game. I think started every game for us so far this season. Kuharevich has come into the team obviously one game, can't judge him too much. And Martin Boyle's got a couple of goals, um, albeit one's a penalty. So, you know, we're we're not we're not we're not scoring goals at a rate. You know, Josh Campbell's 
our, our, our top goal scorer so far this season. I don't think many people would just guess that after seven games. Um, so now the, the the chances are there. We just need we just need to make sure that we've we've got someone on the end of them. Absolutely. And then, um, you the chances before the goal, was there any any standouts for you in the first half that you thought we really should have taken the lead there? Or sorry, second half? Um, not that I can remember, to be honest, mate. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, me, me neither. So let's, let's I don't remember individual goal. chances. Like, really, you need you on the podcast for that. <laughs> I mean, remember every good. fucking thing, every, like, nothing hanging in the football game, you'll remember it. <laughs> There was one thing that I remember, and it was um, the, the man of the match, Mr. Campbell, got the ball played over the top to him, and he was one on one with the keeper. Oh, and I really should have cut it back. That was that was a like he was having such a good game up to that point, and I thought everybody's going to start booing him and jeering him because he'd made one mistake, and it was quite a big one. And I found that really frustrating because we were not we were not too, we were not ahead at that point though. Were we? I don't think we were because I, I think I was annoyed. That the one where he like hits it right at the keeper's legs, like when he basically right, goes right yeah. through. Aye. Uh, yeah, I thought we were ahead at that point. I maybe misremembered. I, I thought we were too up. I was annoyed because I thought he's. I'm sure he were. <laughs> that, that was a bad one from Campbell. But let's talk about the goal. The goal. The goal itself was really well worked. I was. I was really impressed with it. I thought it was quite delightful. Um, talk us through it, Liam. Can you not remember it? Oh, the one. That, um, <laughs> It was kind of played through. Kind of made a really nice run, and then it pulled the centre backs apart. And then Campbell got played through one on one. Then he slid uh, under the keeper to the right, um, and it was quite a poacher's finish, to be honest. It does. Um, I think Lee Johnson compared Campbell to Frank Lampard in his playing style of late, and it was a very Frank Lampard-esque goal. Um, in terms of an exact comparison, I'd probably say Kai Havertz in the Champions League final, but Campbell's a bit better than Kai Havertz is, so I don't think that's a fair comparison for Josh. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was a nice goal and it gave us a 2-1 lead. So we were all- is that a Chris Cadman assist? Is that, is that a Chris Cadman assist as well? Chris Cadman who doesn't doesn't make assists apparently, doesn't, oh yeah, well, fair people don't say that, they just say he can't cross the ball. Aye, yeah, but was it a Chris Cadman assist? I can't even mind. Um, we we need you back on the pod. Hey, you're our stats guy. He he remembers every detail. Um, but yeah, uh, and then one one thing just before the goal happened. Uh, Noan Kenna. Um, I thought he had a pretty good first half. Looks after about fifty-five minutes. And Jake Doyle Hayes came on. I thought another impressive performance from Jake Doyle Hayes. I was fine. I I, I, I could see why he took Ken off because when we're dominating possession in the way that we were against Aberdeen, there's there's not really have a huge amount of value in having a kind of midfield stopper like that on the pitch because Aberdeen showed no ambition really to get out their own half. So the the, the substitution made sense. I thought Dow Hayes was fine when he came on. I don't I don't think he did anything spectacular, but I also don't think he did anything did, did anything wrong of no um helped shift the ball around, you know, kind of what laterally mostly. But it was a it was a it was a decent performance. And um, we all love Jake Doyle Hayes on the podcast, obviously. Been on the pod, so listen to that one if you've not already. Um, but yeah, and then as time dwindled down, um, Hibs just kept knocking and knocking the door, even after we took the lead. Aberdeen really struggled to get out their own half. Um, and then eventually we got the ball out wide. I think it was Yuan that clipped it in for, um, I'm going to call him my call up because I don't want to mess with his surname. Um, and then he knocked it down for Campbell. And then another poacher's goal for Campbell. It was a 3-1 lead. Um, yeah, really, really good two goals from Campbell. Aye, no, the, the, I mean, the, the, the third goal, I remember, it was as sim- simple as it can be, but it was good to see Kaharovic winning the ball in the air and kind of getting the knockdown, which, you know, I, I think, you know, Dodge provided the knockdown for Campbell's assist against Rangers, but I don't really think we've had too many instances in recent times where we've got a big guy in there who's winning some of those balls aerially. Um, so, I think we're kind of seeing the value of having a six foot four centre half that can jump, six foot four centre forward that can jump. Yeah, and it's, it's nice to have, like, it's a proper different change of pace. Like, I know Dodge is kind of a similar type of role, but I just think that uh, Mykola, um, he, just, he just looked really comfortable. I thought he was an absolute nuisance. I think it's something that Hibs haven't really had much of in the last few years. Like, we don't really have players that are a bit of a handful, and I think that he really is. I'm getting nods there from Leo, so I'll take that as a good point, Harry. And then um, the only action from Aberdeen in the second half, um, we, again, after we scored the third, we kept on attacking, but then eventually they counter-attacked and got the ball on the break. 
um, bada bing, bada boom, ball put into the back post. And Mayovsky, he needs to score there, doesn't he? That that was a bad miss from Aberdeen's perspective. Uh, it's a bad miss. You can kind of see why it's happened, though, because he's sort of fallen over as the ball comes to him um, and he knocks it wide. Um, it, it still doesn't take away from being a really poor miss, but it, it's kind of almost explained away by the fact that he's already on his way down, strangely. Um, when there's no one near him, so I don't know if he's just lost his balance or whatever, he's kind of maybe leaned too much on one side. It was, uh, uh, it was one of those good way moments, which uh, we all love to see. Uh, because it, it saved us from what would have been a very squeaky bum time last five, ten minutes. So I'm very glad that he decided to bottle that chance. And then, yeah, not not much really happened um, for the last few hips. Kept on the pressure, but Aberdeen, quite a spineless performance from them, in my opinion. I just didn't really think they looked like they were at it at all. Nah, they were they were poor, to be honest. Uh, living be living, they were poor. Didn't agree at all with any of Jim Goodwin's comments, unsurprisingly. Um, I didn't agree that it was a an even game, 11 be 11, it wasn't. We were by far the better side. Aberdeen didn't really show very much ambition, which is quite surprising when actually I thought, when I looked at the team, I thought, oh, well, they've got they've got a wee bit in the final third. Because um, I think, you know, the boy Dukes had pretty good reviews. You know, I think that the number 10, the Dutch winger, who's prone to diving, I think he, um, you know, he, he, I think, has looked pretty decent since he tipped up in Scottish football. Um, and, and obviously the guy Miofsky paid half a million quid for, so you'd expect the big things. It, on the face, it looked like quite an attacking lineup, but they, they, they didn't really show any intent to attack at any point in the game, to be honest. And one star, I believe it was from Ty and Bobro, um, Aberdeen haven't won an away game since St Johnston last August, which is utterly baffling. Like that, that is horrendous. Like, Imagine a full calendar year and you've not won away from home. Like even Hibs under like in the Calderwood friendly era were winning games away from home every once in a while. Like that is shocking. Um, is that right? They've not won an away game since it's since. A league, I don't believe. And oh right, yeah. you know, you know that is that's. Because uh, I, I heard some Aberdeen fans saying, "Oh, we didn't win games unless we're away." At... Nah, that's not right, mate. They they beat St Johnston like. Uh, oh, was it this ago. August then? Oh, I misread the stat then. Unless Pine Ball was the on either in these class. Um, yeah, all right, ignore me. I'm an idiot. Maybe. They said something like they've not won anywhere apart from Amonville uh, or McDermott Park since the start of last season or something like that. I'm sure. Well, Mental. thankfully, we've got Liam to keep me right when I'm making stupid comments and misreading things. Um, but yeah, and then the, there was quite a few bits of fallout after the game from both Jim Goodwin and Michael Stewart come to mind for myself. Um, Jim Goodwin's comments, um, absolute deflection tactics, as you said. Just really, I, I, I do think the club need to take some form of action against it. Um, mm. Singling out someone to the extent of like pretty much bullying. Um, I don't know if you've seen like the handshake after the game where... Um, what do you call it? Goodwin tried to do his best. Thomas took on against Conte, just embarrassing himself. He's a grown man. <laughs> uh, he did embarrass himself. He, he contradicted himself massively as well. I thought in an interview where he said, uh, I told my players before the game not to get too tight. And I warned the referee about it and all this carry on. And then he then proceeded to say, I don't know what Liam Scales could have done any different. And I was like, well, for beginners, he could have carried out the instruction that apparently you said you gave up before the game. He just he completely contradicted himself, and I was like, "You've not you've gone into this interview. You're still angry because of what's happened. You've not taken the time to just compose your thoughts, get across what you want to say, and you've just blurted out a load of nonsense." And I just he kind of came across quite classless, to be honest. Um, it was it was really poor. That and the fact that he's again you know singling out a young guy who he already knows there's an existing narrative against. So. You're just seeing all the usual suspects jump on it over the last few days. Not surprising. You know, everybody kind of contributed to this bandwagon effect of, oh, isn't he terrible? Isn't he this? Isn't he that? Isn't he a cheat? He's not cheated. There's not there's not anything that he's done there that is anywhere close to being conducive of cheating. It is just... Uh, uh, the whole the whole thing has just been built up way beyond actually what it was and what it should be. If he if his player just did what he was told to do, we wouldn't even have having this conversation. Boom! Absolute mic drop moment from Liam as usual. Um, 
But yeah, and then the other comments were from Michael Stewart. I believe um, on our next section, we've got a few fan questions relating to it. But just before we move on to that, um, Michael Stewart said that Hibs shouldn't um, be too comfortable with where we're at in terms of our playing game because it keeps on coming against 10 men. We don't decide to play against 10 men. People make fouls against us and referees send them off. What do you want? Why, why should we not be happy about that? Uh, he's missing. He's missing something really vital there as well. The fact that we're playing against ten men for a reason, like because our play or our style of play, depending on how you look at, it, has forced the opposition into making those decisions. And the more you dominate the ball, then the more you control games, the more likely those things are to happen. Um, there's there's maybe question marks over a couple of the red cards I've seen in some of the games, but that's not our fault. Like, and those decisions have gone against us often enough. I'm, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I just, I thought it was quite a pure comment, quite a classless comment again from, from from Michael Stewart, who, if I'm being honest, I think is, I used to used to think he was all right. To be honest, I've, I've never, never really had a problem until recently. But he, his nose seems to be out of joint. My hips for some reason at the moment. I don't know what it is. But he seems to want to dig us out. Um, I know the guys in Longbarn spoke about this quite a bit already about you know, not be enough Hibs representation in the media. And I've, I've got to say, I'd have to agree. Uh, I don't think there is really a Hibs voice that's out there, particularly in the BBC, who's representing the club, um, who's going to kind of stand up for us. Seems to be, you know, kind of dominated by ex Hearts, Celtic, Aberdeen and Rangers players, to be honest, with a bit of kind of St Johnston and some other clubs thrown in. Um, I would like to see a more prominent Hibs person representing us and sticking up for us in the media and not an ex-striker who used to have blonde highlights and put lots of brow cream in his hair before anyone suggests. Yeah, I was going to say, please nobody suggested that as a voice of reason. <laughs> anyone but. Anyone but. Anyone really but, choice. mate. Get, uh, get me like Alan O'Brien back speaking in on behalf of Hibs instead of that. If he rocked the blonde tips even better than him. Um, but yeah, just before we move on to our final section, which is turned into my favourite, um, give me three players that overly impressed you. Your three standouts from the weekend. Um, I was just going to go for the obvious ones eh, and leave you with none. Uh, Campbell, Newell and Kuharovic. And a bit, a bit of justification for why for each one. Josh Campbell, I don't think I need to justify it any more than, than he has done already. He's... he's Two goals, you know, he's, he's shown, I think, incredible um, mental strength to come back and be the player he's been so far this season after some of the criticism we got last season. Um, I think it'd be remiss on me on this podcast to pretend that we like we didn't criticise him last season because I think some of us were very critical of him last season. Um, but he's he's been he's been excellent so far at the start of the season, to be honest. Can't fault his performances. Um Joe Newell was a funny one because he, he frustrated me at points during the first half. Actually, uh, I felt like he was he was he was kind of taking too long on the ball in possession and wasn't quick enough to get it forward. But um, I think he probably changed his tack slightly in the second half and recognised with them playing with ten men, he's one of our better distributors in midfield. When he gets the ball, he can he can typically kind of see things and make passes that probably the other two in midfield that are playing with him can't. So he's a very important player when the opposition goes down to 10 men. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's a tempo setter as well. So I thought he did that much better in the second half. And then I think Kuharovic, I just I just think it was just the, the fact that seeing something a bit different up front, a, a guy that we can play off of, a guy that looks mobile, who can link the play up. Um, I think he also will make the players on the outside of him better footballers as well, with his ability to take it in and turn. He won us a couple of good free kicks as well, just backing into Stewart and making life very difficult for him. Um, I thought he was a fucking bomb scare, by the way, that Anthony Stewart. You don't think he looks like a good player at all. can't believe they made him captain. Um, but no, I thought I'd, probably, probably those three would be the standouts for me. But uh, there were some other contenders as well who played well. Uh, no, definitely, as, as you said, you've definitely taken the three that I probably would have went for. Um, in terms of one that I've been critical of a lot this season, um, I want to give him credit when he's actually played well. I thought Ryan Porteous was really good. I'd say it's his best performance of the season by far. Um, not that the bar was particularly high for that, to be honest, but I thought that his distribution of the ball was a bit better than it's been in recent weeks, even though a few times. Uh, um, but then just his composure, like in and around the area, I think something that's been a bit lacking this year. He seems to have missed time quite a few things, but I thought that he was on the ball pretty well. 
Um, and then foil, I think, is starting to show a bit more flashes of foil. You know, I, I don't really think we've seen too much of the foil that we had last season. I think that he's starting to hit the ground running a bit more. Um, so it's definitely something to be excited about. I think as soon as he gets back to like that 100% foil, I think that will definitely it'll feel like another new player's joined because he is that good when he hits like his peak. Um, and then my final one. I, I love Jabriah. I, I think he's a very fun player to watch. I, I like players that aren't necessarily the flashiest. You know what I love? I love left backs and full backs that actually do their job. I feel that there's so many people that are like, if you're not putting, if you're not setting up a goal a game, you're a crap fullback, which just isn't the case. Like James Tavernier, Trent Alexander-Arnold, they can't kind of defend. Um, they're glamour players, but I feel that Jabriah is good enough at defending and good enough at going forward that you can actually enjoy watching him play football without being stressed. And I think it's refreshing. Aye, he's good. He's a good player. Um, he's 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 he kind of become my favourite Hibs player very very early on. To be honest, probably after his debut against St Johnston, I just decided he was the guy that I was going to really get behind this season. Um, I think he's got a very 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 cultured left foot. I think it's only a matter of time before he's he's you know racking up a few assists. I would like to see him take free kicks as well. To be honest, uh, Joe Newell had a free kick in the first half where. It was just completely powder puff. Um, and as much as I like Joe Neal as a player, I, I, he's not a guy I want to be see it and free kicks from 30 yards out because I, I just don't think he's got the requisite power in his left peg to trouble a goalkeeper from that kind of distance. Um, I think Jabriah's had one effort so far for Ebbs and I think I'm maybe right in saying it hit the wall. Um, I think I think he's got a good enough looking left foot that he should be on more set pieces for us potentially than he has. I would fully agree. The only thing that's a problem with that is for some reason, um, he is quite a pacey player, but um, B. Johnson likes nah. to keep it back for set pieces. He's, he's not. I don't think he is quick. I think that's that's maybe is the one sort of flaw in his game. I, I don't think he's slow, but I don't I don't think he is particularly yeah. quick. I think I think he. Um, I'll be honest. I think if he had pace, I don't think he'd get hips. <laughs> like well, if we left it that good, he looks a pretty competent defender. If he was quick as well. Yeah, I think I think he'd be playing at a high level. I, I I genuinely, based on the six or seven games that he's played for us so far, I think we'll have him for a season, maybe two seasons. And I think he'll 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 go off and make us some money because I think he's probably just 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 based on the qualities that he's got. I think he's probably destined to play at a level slightly higher than us. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on what you look where you look at. Well, if he's going to make us a fair bob, then I won't complain because we've seen some of the money that's been floating around in Scottish football over the last summer, which is a really positive thing. And hopefully he can be the Hibs instalment of that in a couple of years' time after he's helped when us win the league. Um, but yeah, and now that's, that's the Aberdeen game. Um, overall, really great performance. I think that you must have left the stadium happy with all the other fans that left. I was sitting buzzing down in London um, and it's nice going into the international break without those good vibes. Obviously, at the time, we were up to fourth, but now I think we're down to sixth, which is still not a bad position to be in, um, all things considered. Uh, and if, I, I know you'd like to wait till the full, first full round of fixtures, but isolating the first seven games of the season, are you happy with the performances so far? Or do you think that we still need to give it another few and let it take shape properly? Oh, we, we need to give it a wee while for it to take shape properly. There's no no way you're going to be the finished article after seven, seven league games. Um, and a few, few, few kind of pretty meaningless-ish league cup fixtures. I, I, I think the midway point in the season is fair to kind of not maybe judge an entire managerial reign, but just see where we're at in terms of league position and see where we're at in terms of, I think, sort of overall style of play. Um, and I'm probably right in thinking because of the World Cup that that midway point in the season is probably going to come a wee bit later this year, I would imagine. Um, so... I'm certainly not like I'm. I'm. I'm not really paying any attention to the table. I, I, someone said that we were fourth after the game on Saturday, and obviously a couple of results not going our way on Sunday meant we've dropped down to six. But to be honest, I'm, I'm just not looking at it yet. It's, it's just it's just too far too early to really set set any kind of benchmark. I also think there's some teams who uh, kind of league position is maybe slightly artificial just in terms of the games that they've played so far uh, this season. So. We'll see. We'll see if they're still there or not. Come, 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 come in the midway point. Yeah, certainly, Mister Robinson at uh, St. Martin's doing his utmost to uh, prove you wrong. 
uh, <laughs> a very good start to the season. For some reason, they just keep beating everybody at St. Mirren Park or whatever it's called. What's it called? It's like the St. Mirren something stadium, international stadium or something. I have no idea. That was a that was a previous ground. Maybe because they moved away to Love Street and didn't they want to call it Love Street and it was there on Love Street. I don't know, like guys, we're coming to the point that is my very favourite part of the season so far. Um, it's something that we started just after the summer, and it is listener questions. Uh, we ask you guys on Twitter, send in any questions that you've got for us guys to answer on the podcast, and we've got quite a few to get through. So, Liam, let's get cracked straight into it. Um, cool. First comes from Jeff Ashton. Um, Jeff, we love you. You do tend to send us statements instead of questions, but if we find a question out of it, we will answer it. Um, Jeff said the second half against bad losses 10 as opposed to McPert. Matins 10 was like night and day. Pace, switch of play, tactics all spot on. I'm feeling slightly more optimistic for season, especially with Super Kyle nearly back. Is is it fair to be a bit more optimistic about things after that performance? Um, I like I, I'm, I'm I'm always like regarding against like getting too high or getting too low after like wins and defeats. Like it's a it's a good result, like beating a competitor, a rival who are in a similar sort of footing to us, to be one at home is always a good result. But it's just so early. Like I just uh, and 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 I, I, I'm like like Jeff. I was feeling really positive, thinking come away from the game, we've got some really good signs, some green shoots in terms of uh, some of the new players and the acquisitions we've made. And actually, when I think about players that are going to come back, there's probably still two or three that I would think are going to come back and be starters for us as well, who will improve that team even further. So, all in all, yes, you're okay to be positive. I'm going to give you the seal of approval. It's all right to be positive. You're not getting a grown flower, but you're getting a little seed of positivity. Aye, a wee seed. You love to see. A little sprinkling on top. Um, and then one more for Jeff. Jeff, he sent a few. If we get time at the end, then we might come back to him. He said, Harry McCurdy at the game in the loudest LA Jackers jacket I've ever seen. So walk up Leaf Walk. Saw him up Leaf Walk after the game, posing for selfies with fans. When was the last time we had a renegade like him? And a good way, love his attitude, hoping the footy lives up to it. And the rule is you're not allowed to say Boyle or Cummings because they're too obvious. <laughs> so last uh, renegade. Like, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not happy as a Boston Celtics fan. I'm not happy about him being a Lakers jersey wearer because uh, I just don't like LA. Yeah. And to be honest, it's a it's a rivalry that Boston have had the better of over the years. So I'm, I'm I suppose I'll let it slide on the basis that Harry McCurdy is probably officially the new fans' favourite. I, I can't really remember anyone who's who's sort of come in who's been other than the two you've mentioned. Spoil wasn't really a renegade when he first came. He's kind of developed into a character that has a feel rather than like he came in like a character. Whereas Cummings probably was more of a character. I don't know, like how far back are you going, like Chick Charnley or something like that. I I don't don't know when last time was with a character like that. I suppose Latape was a bit of a renegade in some respects, but he did that. He was in a bit of a more kind of quiet-ish way. Like he did probably more his talking on the pitch, whereas like McCurdy is going to be. A big personality, but I think that a big thing of that is the advent of social media. Like social media has given players a lot more personality, hasn't it? Like they did that didn't really exist. So it's probably not really fair to compare them with players from sort of the pre-social media generation. Have you got anyone in mind? Uh, I don't know why Joe Tartle Arnold sprung to mind. I remember Dad saying he was a bit quirky back in his playing days, um, but that might have been his eccentric style on the pitch. And the fact, I believe he used to get uh, tans before games, and he'd always look like he was just back from Spain. I think he was. I think he was in like a, and I, I'm maybe misquoting this completely, but I think he was in like um, like an advert in the newspaper for like uh, buy at home tanning beds. Like I mm-hmm. seem to remember there being a photo doing the rounds from years ago with George Tartalano standing next to a sunbed. Um, uh, he was kind. I think he was one of those players who was a wee bit of a. Like, yeah, he's before my time, right? So I, I, I can't really comment too much, but I think he was kind of one of those players that was like quite a cult hero, but maybe that was more to do with off-field stuff than on-field stuff. So you could be right. Yeah, but thank you, Jeff, for that question. 
And moving on to Kevin Wilson, one of our friends that joined us on the space that we done uh, for the transfer deadline day. Um, he said that Saturday sent a bench, sorry, that Saturday set a benchmark for how we can play on the Johnson and how much more do you think there's still to come? Also, is it concerning that no forwards apart from Boyle have scored yet? Um, I think in terms of the benchmark of performance, I think that is set a high level that we now know that we can perform to. It's something that, as you alluded to earlier, I don't think that we can expect week in, week out. It's still um, a bunch of bricks falling into place before we have that um, actual system set. So I think expecting that higher performance week in, week out is probably a bit much for the moment, but I think it's, def it's definitely something we can hold the team to that we know that they can now perform to that level. Um, and in terms of forwards, personally not too worried just because we're still getting results and we're getting goals from all over because under Ross when we finished third for the most part we were getting goals from the strikers and nobody else so hopefully we're starting getting goals from everywhere else and then the strikers as soon as they hit form are going to be laughing um, but your thoughts quickly on those two questions Liam just um, in terms of do you think that's a benchmark set now? I think, I think Johnson maybe said it himself. I think he thinks we can get better. And I, I definitely think there's a lot of aspects of the game that we can we can get better at, particularly in the final third. We've spoken about a couple of those things already, so I won't labour them. In terms of the strikers, I think Yuan, I'm a wee bit worried that he's not scored because I think there's elements of his game where he's maybe trying to force it a little bit now. Um, he seems to be getting, I don't know if it's his style of play, but he seems to get the ball at the feet and then want to take five, six, seven touches, um, which is not really can, it's not really aligned to the style of football that we want to play um, a lot of the time particularly if he's coming deep to pick it up um, and I think he is he, he's, he's snatching a wee bit now at chances it's like that kind of classic thing of it trying too hard um, but as for the others I don't think you can really hold it against any of the others that they've no scored so far because Karavich's only really played one game Dodge has now gone out on loan so that's not our problem for the rest of the season Um we don't really have anyone else like that's that's fit. Bojang, I suppose, who's missed a couple of good chances. So, so fair enough. I mean, I suppose the Bojang one's maybe a wee bit a wee bit concerning, um, but he's 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 probably not. Well, because he's had a couple of really good quality chances, he's probably not played enough minutes to really judge him harshly for not scoring. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you, obviously, you can you, you you can judge him for the missing the chances, but to say over the piece has he had that enough time on the park to really critique him for it. I don't know. I don't think you can, can give him too much stick, to be honest. And the thing is, for me as well, like, I think if your strikers are being involved in goals, like, obviously, Yuan's not scored, but he's set up two for Boyle. Uh, Gurevich. Uh, I've attempted his name for the first time. I've probably slaughtered it. Good effort. Um, good effort. <laughs> I think. Um, he set up a goal um, at the weekend with a knockdown, as we mentioned earlier. So, you know, like, uh, being a striker, obviously, you want them to be scoring a goal a game. That's the dream, but it's unlikely to happen at Hibs, and it's not the entire game. Like strikers can still be impactful for teams without scoring every week. Um, and I think that they have been, they have been like a lot of fans are quite high on Yuan, and I think rightly so. I think he does seem like he's a good player. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think valid question, valid question. So thanks for that, Kevin. And moving on to Dav Williamson. Um, he said, thoughts on Kenna's start, both as an individual, but also what his presence brings to the team that allows Newland Campbell to play further forward. And also thought, and thoughts on Yuan's performances in brackets. I thought he was quite poor on Saturday myself. So starting on Kenna, um, both as an individual and also what his presence brings to the team. Alice, I think that kind of overarching season so far as opposed to just this game individually. Mm, Kenna so far, very mixed, I would have to say. Um Worrying like probably being dispossessed a couple of times. I think he's thought he's had more time than he's actually had. Um, the positives of Ken is I think he does disrupt pretty well and wins the ball back more a lot more often than he loses it, which is you know maybe almost a prerequisite of a defensive midfielder. But he does give us a bit of physical presence in there as well. And I think people maybe overlook that the importance of having a bit more height in the midfield as well as being quite a, an important trait, particularly when you're playing against like kind of long ball merchants that you come up against this league and, you know, playing off goal kicks and stuff like that. So um, I do, I do, I think Ken are very mixed. You and I would agree, I think he's been quite poor the last couple of games, to be honest, um, or, or certainly two of the last three, he's been quite poor. Um, but he had played really well up until that point uh, and probably, you know, deserves to keep his place in the team because of what he's given us down that left-hand side and the continuity as well of having him and Boyle either side of, centre forward and try to develop those relationships so very mixed on both to be honest but I think 
the one thing that I would be reassured with, I think, is there's enough quality there in each of them that I think, given time to develop, I think they'll turn into good acquisitions. Yeah, I think um, it's kind of the main concern that we had with Ken as soon as he was brought in. He is still really young. Like, he's he's not a veteran of the game at all. He's still a teenager, I believe. Um, so he's still got a lot of return to do. Um, I, I think his performances um, have been good. And yeah, I, I think in terms of, like, I think even when he's not performing great, I still think he brings a better balance to the team than the Doyle Hayes, Newell and Campbell um, trio that we've seen previously. Um and then in terms of Yuan, yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, but I think it's, I always like it when a player's not finding the net and they're still wanting the ball a lot. I think that Yuan's never really shying away from the ball, which is nice. And there's a few times when he's not been given passes that you can see him vis- like, visibly frustrated and stuff for not getting the ball. So I think that's positive. Um, but yeah, no, he wasn't, wasn't particularly great on Saturday, to be honest. Um, question for myself, do you reckon for the game against Ross County after the break, do you reckon we see... Um, the same front three, do you reckon McCurdy comes in? Because I think potentially McCurdy in for Yuan, because um, I don't think McCurdy up front at the moment in this three makes sense just on how effective the three was at the weekend, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you'll go with the same three. I think you'll go with the same three. I think Karavich played well enough to justify starting the game. Um, uh, I think he's mobile enough as well as a big man to be able to play relatively kind of I don't know, fluidly is a word, but in a, in a fluid system. Um, so I, 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 I would go with the same three. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be changing it, to be honest. I think McCurdy will have to earn his way into, into the team. Yep, fully agreed. Uh, next question comes from Richard underscore O, 1875. And he said, another class display from Yule. Uh, when will the Hibs Boo Boys lay off him? Um, being honest, I was... I didn't want to say it because I've said it a few times and um, I don't want to seem like I'm being overly harsh on him. First half wasn't overly impressed by him. Um, I do think that second half he took over the game and I think he was pretty dominant in midfield. Um, I think that everything that we done pretty much either came through him or started through him, uh, which was really nice to see. But I would like to see him put together a full 90 minutes, which I believe he done against St. Johnston and he's not really done too much since. Um, I, I didn't catch the full Kilmarnock game, so he might have done a bit better then. But what about yourself? When do you think that the Boo Boys will lay off Joe Newell? I don't think, I don't know. Yeah. It's maybe just me. I don't think Joe Newell gets that hard a time. That's fine. I, I, I think this is one of these myths that's kind of being created by Twitter. I don't, I don't see, uh, uh, Josh Campbell gets quite a bit of stick and has had quite a bit of stick. And Paul Hanlon gets cut a lot of stick. Porteous is starting to piss people off as well with some of his stuff this season, just in terms of distribution more than anything and, and time he's taking on the ball and maybe slowing things down. I don't I don't really hear Joe. Maybe just it's the bias around where I sit, but I don't really hear a lot of people digging Joe Neal out, to be honest. Yeah, um, Richard, if you've got anybody in particular you want to call out, then please do let us know <laughs> Barney with him. Um, but Liam, I'll let you take this question specifically because I feel it was almost um, you that said it through Dave Graham, um, who said, is it time for a 60-minute countdown clock that runs only when the ball is played, reduce time wasting and build more excitement for the last few minutes, etc." Liam, your thoughts? Did Dave listen to our episode a few weeks ago? I think the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, I'd, I'd, it's one of those things I don't think football... It's a no-brainer. system at the moment isn't broken um, because we allow for the minutes to be added on at the end of the game now, that's not just that's not for everything I suppose that's just for substitutions and injuries and you know goal celebrations potentially as well I don't know I don't know what all kind of gets added into that that time but I would say suggest that if the system at the moment is not broken 
Like, why don't we test that it's not broken and actually put a play clock in place that runs alongside the game clock and actually see how much of the time the ball is spent in play in a normal game versus how much time would we need to actually play a game, if that makes sense. Probably not explain that very well, but I think I think because Dave said 60 minutes there, I think 60 minutes is probably too short. I think you're short-changing football fans if you only get to see 60 minutes. But then I did read some statistics last season about how little time the ball spent in play, and in some, some teams' cases, it was a lot less than 60 minutes. So... I don't know, man. I, you can still disrupt the flow of the game with the play clock being out. So there's other things, you know, there's 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 things that you can do to disrupt the flow of the game. You know, like booting the ball out and fucking like Rocky did against that bro for a fucking just about put it in the sea. Um, you know, going down a cramp every two seconds. It doesn't impact the clock, but it's on a stop clock, but it would still impact the flow of the game quite significantly. So I'm not sure. Yeah, well, I think it's fair that we've run a poll at some point this week because I think it's definitely a that's worth having. Um, and we've got no football. But next, um, next question is coming from Mr. Sean Steele, who unfortunately is going to be missing Greg this week, so can direct his question towards Greg. But yeah, <laughs> who is the best at FIFA out of all of you? Um, and I think, to be honest, it's probably me. Um, in terms of gaming, probably more than the three of you combined. Um, and I've definitely racked up more hours on FIFA, I think, than the three of you combined. So if we had a FIFA tournament with just the Down the Slope boys, no offence, guys, but you'd all get pumped. It'd be quite an easy day for me. I've not played FIFA for 10 years, so I reckon you'd probably beat me about 7 mil or something. I'd probably still be trying to like, hit finesse shots for 35 yards in the top corner like I did 10 years ago. That was the only thing I had in my armory. Um, so I'd oh, be you know, you know what? I reckon we'd have to do like me going like a half star team from Ireland, and you'd have to go like classic eleven um, to try and balance the game out. And I'd be scoring with keeper runs and that. Um, but I'll stop being a dick. Um, and then Sean asked, "Who is speckier, me or Harry?" Um, no offense, Sean. I'm sure you are very specky, but I feel that on behalf of the podcast, we have to assume that I'm the speckiest person on the planet, just because how much flack I get for it. So on this Aye. occasion, you have lost the specky competition. Would they give you? Um, and then thank you Sean for that and you and Craig asked um, how many pints of Jim Goodwin tears have we collected now how many pints fuck me Um... he used to cry about during his playing days at Easter Road as well I remember a few I think he got red carded twice at Easter Road if he got red carded twice he should have been red carded about 20 times because I remember a lot of games where he got away with absolute fucking murder at Easter Road I used to get so angry watching him play and I'd get even angrier when someone who sat a few seats along with me would come out with a shout we should sign him because he would make our team so much better it's just like oh no can you imagine because we basically had like we've had versions of him who we've then written off because they weren't capable of playing the hips style of play and it's easier I always think if you're like a Jim Goodwin or like a, an Alan Power type of player it's always easier to be at one of those small like underdog teams like St Mirren because you spend so little time in possession in the league that you're kind of there to do one job and you can fulfil it so he was he was he was murdered to watch as a player and he was a bit of a fuck as well because he's a fucking cheat calling anyone else out in their behaviour he was he was a fuck on the football park like um, but in terms of pints I reckon um, many pints as we will have after we win the Scottish Cup in May which is probably 17 per day for the next month and a half so you work out that so 17 times about 45 um, is how many Jim Goodwin pints of tears that we have accumulated thus far um, so thank you for that question you and then Dave Thompson's asked three questions but just for the sake of time I'm going to pick one of them which is who selects pundits for sports team and I'm assuming that's a scathing question imagine they've got like a what's like a in effect like a casting kind of director for for pundits, I would imagine it's how it works, and that person's paid to go and source people to come on the show. Because I don't, I don't know how you get into it. Because it seems to me it's very strange. Because it's it's quite homogenous in that you have to have been an ex-player to have, to be a pundit, and that's the only pool that they 
this fish in. So you've got that whole brigade of, oh, you only can the game if you play that brigade, which I think in itself is quite interesting. They've obviously tried to add a wee bit more diversity into it in recent times by having um, like minority ethnic and female representation quite 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 clear as part of the coverage. Um, but they've not really looked at diversity from any other point of view. Like, how are they getting actual fan views across uh, in the game? I do, I do think there's something missing there. We talked about lack of Hibs representation. I think that's an issue from our point of view. But I think broader than that, I'm, I'm, I'm loath to talk about it because I know I got a game long, but arms guys have done it already. But, you know, talk about guys like fucking Willie Miller and Packy Bonner. Like, they should not be... They should not be still on sports round in this day and age. Alan Preston as well, he's another one. Like, they're just so out of touch with the game. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I get, I'm just getting, I'm getting annoyed thinking about how bad they are, Jobby. And they're getting paid pretty well to do it, apparently. I think it's one of those ones as well. Like, I remember the, like, um, uproar when um, Gillette Soccer Saturday essentially had an overhaul of their guys had kind of the passing of the guard of the old guys that were doing it and then brought in a bunch of new people um, and a few of them I think there was a woman as well and everybody was loving like I can't believe they're replacing these legends like Gillette Soccer Saturday was downhill for years and years like they needed BPs, to change yeah. that and I think Scottish football yeah BT's been better than Gillette for years sorry mate I'm just I've cut across you but BT BT's been streets ahead of Sky for a long long time now a long long time um, I've not watched Gillette Soccer Saturday for probably five or six years, unless it's been on a pub somewhere. Um, it's it's absolutely finished. It's absolutely it's it's dreadful. I, I, I can't even bring myself to watch the new new version of it because I know that uh, is, it J, is it Jamie Mackey and Lee Hendry and that are on it. I just like oh, just they're so fucking beige and they've like they've not had interesting careers of that at all. Like they're just these guys that have just played played in England who've played for. Championship, shite. Just oh, I've no, I've no interest in watching it. Right. Uh, we had a similar question from Aki um, at Shin Bapper. So we're not going to answer that just because essentially says should we be looking at um, ex uh, people outside of ex footballers um, for some here analysis and the answer to that is yes. Um, should we get people that actually know football in the modern day as opposed to as you say these dinosaurs that haven't interacted with football in many many years um and then jack kill asked what did you make of the link up between newell and jibraya on that left hand side um so yeah what did you make of it? developing i would say that it's definitely developing um i see the two of them looking for each other quite a lot playing one twos um I, I, we, we seem to be quite keen to go to kind of go out to the full backs when we get the ball out and so the, the ball back inside is quite quite off and on so um, they're two good footballers. They should they should be able to they should be able to get on the same wavelength and understand each other. But I think it looks promising. And it, Jack followed it up with saying, "If it was your birthday tomorrow, and where would you go for a birthday meal?" And then in brackets, Harry, maybe try something that isn't chicken, rice, and broccoli. And um, so yourself, Liam, first, where would you go for a birthday meal tomorrow? And it's like budget as well, so you can go anywhere you want. You can. Have uh, it's on. It's on. Jack, Jack's treating you. I don't really like going to like super expensive posh places because I just feel very uncomfortable sitting there. To be honest, so I'd probably pick something like quite, quite kind of cheap and cheerful. I'd be too worried about budget, but it'd be probably some kind of Mexican food. There was um, a Mexican restaurant I went to in Mexico years ago um, when I had just the most fucking incredible. Um, like I don't even really know how to describe it. It's like kind of a Mexican sort of stew thing, like a beef stew. It's fucking incredible. So I'd probably probably choose that. Unbelievable. Um, there's there's a couple that sprung to mind. I, I love Miller and Carter. And the Dundee United game when that was cancelled. Me and some of the boys went there and Bex as well. Um, but I've not been in years, and I love a buffet. So I'd be going to Cosmos, like the one just just next Ocean Terminal. Um, I absolutely love just stuffing my next Ocean Terminal. Not Ocean Terminal. I know, I always get them confused. Oh, speaking of uh, Ocean Terminal, though, there used to be a place called Handmade Burger Co. And it was like Aye. top, top corner of it. And That's good. I had an amazing view. And you used to get these like burger sliders, and it was like three burgers. And then one of them was like peanut butter and 
jelly on a burger and it was bloody unbelievable. And it was so good, but now they've shut down, so RIP to them. More dead than Rangers jokes. I didn't actually know that. Um, I didn't actually know that. Close, I think that was something that didn't survive through the pandemic. So I used to really enjoy going there. I used to do the uh, uh, milkshakes and that were unreal, but they, they did. I can't remember what they put on them, but the fries were really, really good. Um, I did loads of good things with them. I'm going to just let the how you've pronounced burger slide because that's the most weird pronunciation I've ever heard of burger in my life. But I'll, burger. I'll, 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 burger. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know what that. Good? I, I don't know what that is, eh? I actually don't know what that is. Burger. Burger. All right, we'll, we'll work on that off camera, but thank you for making me self-conscious. I don't think the actual company goes, <laughs> I think it's just the actual... Uh, oh, that's that one. Right, it can get somewhere else. I've never been to uh, Ewan and Gregory at quite highly, like Butterburger, I've still never been there. Quite fancy trying that. Next, next DTS out and let's make it happen. Um... And then Keith Robertson has been listening to Mike and asked, is there cause for concern that a fair number of, a fair chunk, sorry, of our points are being earned against 10 men or less? Sorry, what? Is there cause for concern that a fair chunk of our points are being earned against 10 or less players? Nah, not really, because I don't... What are you going to do? No earn the points. <laughs> like, no, like, do you know what? We just, we, we, uh, that's a bit of a facetious response, but like, the, well, the option would be what? Like, I don't know. I just, like, we'd, if we didn't go and win those games, people would say we didn't have enough points. We're winning the games against 10 men, and people are saying, oh, is that con- cause for concern? No, it's not a cause for concern. We're winning, we're winning, we're winning football games against 10 men. And and to be honest, based on the teams that Kilmanic, Aberdeen, and St Johnston put out against us, that none of those three sides showed any ambition to win the game against us anyway. So they would have been sitting back for the majority of the game. So no, nah, I'm, I'm I'm genuinely not concerned by it. I think the media are making a point out of it because it's glaringly obvious, and that's what they do. They point they point the obvious out, but no, nah, not not a cause for concern for me. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think um, you can only play what's in front of you. And as we mentioned earlier, we don't decide how many players the opposition has on the park. That's down to the referee. And as you say, it's our play that's causing that to an extent. So, yeah, I, I don't think, definitely not cause for concern. Is it maybe worth using that as a lens to look at the overall season? Potentially, I don't think it's that problematic. But, yeah, um, val- valid question. Thank you very much for that, Keith. Um, Luke Cunningham said, "Who is the most over? Yeah, good question. Um, who is the most overrated player in the league just now, and why? Is it Ryan Kent?" Oh, I've, I've discussed Jamie Murphy. I've said that already. Shocking footballer. It's, it's like see the thing is on the ball, it can be quite explosive, and it kind of shows off sometimes, like in the Europa League. But as end product, shocking. He should for the money they've paid for him, he should be banging in minimum. 15 goals a season or at least having like 25 goal contributions between goals and assists it's, it's not good enough he's not good enough um, Ryan Kent I don't like you um, I don't expect you to like me and um, we're not friends um, and then thank you for that look uh, Ray Mondo asked have you seen the film Groundhog Day? Yes <laughs> Never gets old thank you Ray um, Chris Bell asked, is Josh Campbell our now our number one midfielder? Mm, nah, I think there's too much recency bias at play there. Um, nah. He's, he's done very, very well at the start of the season, but I, 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 you know I don't like ranking players and positions and who's number one and all that kind of stuff, so I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't cheapen myself to that anyway, but um, nah, he's not our number one midfielder. Yeah, um, I would say is the number one in form midfielder. I would say yes, um, but realistically, there's not really too much competition in that sense. But no, he is, he is playing really well. I'd, I'd say he's had a solid eight, like eight out of ten performances in his last like three or four games. So I think fair, fair play to him for definitely showing a lot of people, myself included. Up. So yeah, fair. If, if he becomes our number one midfielder, we'll be very happy to eat all the humble pie that he feeds to us. Um, and then Marty at the Wilkie 7 asked, how many penalties has Ryan Poaches won us in his One, up until Saturday. Uh, it was a foul from Joe Shaughnessy at St Mirren, I believe. Oh, 
Was it was that the handball? Did he not kick the ball against someone's Nah, Joe Shaughnessy. Nah, St Mirren. St Mirren under Jim Goodwin last season. Joe Shaughnessy throws him to the ground. I think that's the only other one. It was someone else on Twitter shared it this week. Nice. I have not. There you go. So that's that's two then. He's, he's got a two of four. Um, and then our one of our favourites, Ryan Melville, ninety two, said, "Funniest shout you've heard it again." Oh fuck! I saw this earlier, and I meant to try and think of something, but I can't even remember it. There's a boy. There's a boy down for us. It's quite funny actually. And he's thinking he sits maybe two rows down for us, and he's always got a, a like a sort of zippy thing. Not always, but he wears it a fair bit. I, can't, I don't know his name. I, I know his face, obviously. But he, he comes out with some funny things. He's like one of those guys that even when it's like all quiet, he'll just still shout something. And uh, I normally gets a few laughs. Quite a funny wee guy. But nah, I can't think of any specific. Sorry. I've got two that sprung to mind. Um, they, they might not sound funny in context, but uh, they made me laugh. So I was at Accrington Stanley because one of my mates from School Sports Accrington, um, and then they were playing Cambridge. And then the referee decided to book an Accrington player who made a late challenge. And then some random posh woman sitting like three along from me shouted, "You're so good, referee!" And it just it was so shit and so funny because of how feeble it was. Like the referee is rude. Um, for booking a player, apparently. I think that's what the worst chant is. The fucking worst chant I hate the most, and I've heard this every English ground I've been to, is when English fans start chanting, You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. To the ref, that is hands down the shittest chant going. Uh, it's pretty poor pun. Like they, they've got a few stinkers. XX get battered everywhere they go. It's another for me. Um, but the other one, um, Ian Murray. Uh, I've I've got a soft spot for East Fife, as I'm sure a lot of people know. Um, and I was at East Fife against Airdrie, and then one of these Fife, I believe it was fullback Mercer, um, absolutely cropped um, the boy from Airdrie round on the wing. Boy was a bit dead on the floor, and the linesman didn't flag for a free kick. And then a really feeble voice, Ian Murray shouted. Help him, linesman! So then, every single time a decision went in the way of Airdrie, me and my mates were shouting, Help him, linesman! And Ian Murray, after the game ended and they got beat 4-2, stormed in the tunnel, and it was the best reaction I've ever got out of manager, even though I do really like Ian Murray. Um, but yeah, that's my two favourite shouts. It was um, so rude referee and help him, linesman. Um, but thank you for that, Ryan. And from what I'm aware, we've only got two more questions. We're coming towards the end. Um, so Dan Taylor asked, how do Jim Goodwin's tears taste? Like very sour, bitter grapes. Oh, oh, grapes. Okay, so so no salt in yours. It's a bit more sour. And that's the just problem. sour, 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 sour grapes. Really sour. Have you ever, have you ever cooked chicken and then kept it like a day too long and had a snap? Oh, I mean, I don't. That, that makes me want to be sick in my mouth. It's absolutely well, horrid. I've, I've not tasted that. But that, that smell is what they taste like. So it's not good. I wouldn't advise drinking them. It's nice having them in a jar and swirling them about, but I wouldn't recommend drinking them myself. <clears throat> but final question of the day. And this, this is becoming my favourite question, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's a double question, so we'll, we'll come on to the second part. So thanks for that, Dan. Um, but John McIntosh said, would you say we would have won the game even if Aberdeen had had a lot of men on the park the whole game? Yes. Definitely win, no, no draw, comfortable win? No, you can, uh, we were far the better team, 11v11. We had the one. Yep, fully agreed. And then the final question, it feels that we need to have this as the final question that everybody has now for the remainder of time. What's everyone having for dinner? Liam, what are you having tonight? I'm having Stovies. Leftover for last night. Oh. Uh, made stories yesterday, so I'm having I'm having stories again. Nice. Is there any secret ingredient that you can reveal on the podcast, or just your kind of generic but lovely stories? Uh, I put um, I don't know if everyone does this, but I put uh, meats in mine. Um, lots of onion, potatoes. I uh, bistol bistol gravy is quite an essential thing. Worcestershire sauce as well. And then top off a brown sauce at the end. Lovely. And um, I'm, I'm happy to announce, guys, that um, my, my diet's been going well. Um, so I'm actually eating food uh, for dinner now that isn't uh, chicken, broccoli, and gravy. Um, I 
cannot remember the name of the thing I had to try to explain it to Liam earlier, but I've been on the Gusto boxes. This is not an advert, but I've been on the Gusto boxes and um, I've got a Korean noodle prawn um, concoction going on. Apparently it's really spicy. I don't do well with spice, but it looks really good. It looks very Asian and I'm thoroughly looking forward to eating it. I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you, John, just so you're aware of what I'm eating. Um, but yeah, so that's what we're having. And I think um, Ewan and Greg are having sleep for dinner because they're probably knackered after a few heavy days uh, in Hungary. But yeah. <laughs> I so, yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. Um, and yeah, that, that's been Down the Slope. We'll speak to you next week, hopefully. Um, obviously, international breaks, no football on, but we'll try and find something to fill your ear, ear holes. Um, and yeah, that's been us. Thanks so much. Cheers, bye, bye.